Well, a uh, very interesting point he made at the end about uh, solitude and quiet. And I, I actually think that is great advice to give somebody rather than to just say, hey, why don't you learn meditation or take a yoga class or whatever. Maybe start by just having them be a little silent. And, and I, I think, Phil, you and I got involved in meditation when we were relatively young, in college age, whatever. A lot of people that don't, I mean, I, they go through much of their life and they, they, there's not much emphasis in our culture, certainly there wasn't until recent years, about being alone, about being quiet, about being inward. And uh, so it's very foreign to people. And I notice I, I, people are uncomfortable with that. And and if you look at a, people queuing up for a movie or whatever, nobody just stands and quietly self-reflects anymore. Everybody, including me, uh, is looking at their phone seeking information or communication or whatever. And I think a lot of it is just fear or discomfort with being quiet. It's even worse. It's one thing to do it on a standing online and, you know, in the midst of noise. I see people doing it on hiking trails. Or, or, or when, they're, you know, or when they're speaking to one another, yeah. As, or yeah. taking a walk on the beach or something. So uh, that where it's one thing to, to sort of be distracted in the middle of a noisy situation. But when you're someplace that if, um, invites tranquility and yeah. in, introspection or just appreciation of natural beauty, um, to even be distracted then is, is a symptom of our time. Yeah, it's like so he, makes a, he makes a good point. Yeah, walking through the Grand Canyon having your headset on and listening to some music blaring, who knows what. And somehow, I'm going to guess, that uh, takes away the uh, profundity of the experience one might have when it was a little quieter. But, but I think it's, well, you know, And actually, I think there have been studies by psychologists saying, you know, how uncomfortable people are with silence or solitude, yeah. which is, is a shame. And, and I think sometimes... Um, you you may be right that just inviting people to spend some time in solitude is a great beginning. But at the same time, for other people, uh, learning a, a proper method right. of meditation where where they uh, can at least see some um, some immediate value right. or have a, a a doorway into silence uh, as opposed to just sitting there and doing nothing and wondering what to do next. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, that's a good point because uh, yeah, there has to be a beginning point. And I know that, you know, it's interesting in a lot of, uh, in certain cultures, I know the Nordic cultures, uh, Sweden, uh, Norway, uh, Finland, it's very much part of the culture for people to take solitude, to go take walks by themselves, to be in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that doesn't exist so much anymore amongst younger people, but it, it's been in their tradition for quite some time. Uh, let, let me ask you, uh, Phil, because this is something that you 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 are knowledgeable about, and uh, this whole concept of um, of of uh, the pathless path, and you're already yeah. there, and you're already enlightened, and you're uh, to the, it still confuses me somewhat because if that's the case, and they always say it's not necessary to have teachers, it's not necessary to have books, it's not. This is extreme expressions of this of this kind of a feeling or or belief. Uh, if that's the case, then then uh, why do we have teachers and direct? I personally think you need direction, you need techniques, you need teachers. It's not just there. Uh, although yeah, I mean, then yeah. look, who are the people? Who are the people saying, "Oh, you don't need teachers"? They're teachers. Teachers, yeah. And 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 they're usually being paid in a seminar 
or uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. by the purchase of a book to say that. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's a sort of doctrinaire form of non-dualism that, that has somehow entered into the culture and I think is diminishing because people have seen the shortcomings of that. I mean, they're making absolutist statements uh, and, you know, I think they feel it's good teaching method to, you know, that it's, you know, shaking people up out of their nor- normal perception. And, and, and they're stating the truth. I mean, this is a great paradox. The truth is, when they say you're already enlightened, that they, I think that's kind of an unfortunate uh, way of saying it. What they're saying is your essential nature, your true nature, right. is infinite it is eternal there's nothing for right. that to go anywhere there's no place for it to right. go or nothing for it to to know or learn but you know that leaves out of the equation that we're still functioning as individuals in bodies and with personalities right. and that awakening to that truth isn't just something you decide to do you know, it's 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 a whole lot more complex no, than that. I, and if it wasn't, we wouldn't have all these traditions with all these methods of right. yoga and meditation and prayer and all these other methods that were designed to purify people so that right. the reality can shine through. Right, right. No, I think that's important, and it, it does cause confusion. And look, there are people that maybe very spontaneously uh, enter these states of consciousness or... Uh, elevated states of consciousness, uh, but I think for most people it it, it involves a knowledge and discipline and uh, a, a refinement that takes place over over weeks and months and years, a lifetime, and uh, to really get the person more and more uh, as an instrument working more and more perfectly. Yeah, and I, I and think I it's agree. become very faddish to think, oh, you're already there, there's nothing to do, it's the path of well, the Well, I, I yeah. think one of the reasons for that, if, if I can if i if i'm interpreting things correctly is is some people have come to have this kind of awakening into the the uh unity of the self and and the, the uh, of the large self and the, the awakening to one's true nature and apparently you know it can occur spontaneously mm-hmm. and when it does as buddha famously said you, the realization is it was always there it was always right. present and but the realization wasn't always there and and so when it happens a lot of people say oh my god you know this is so simple and it just happened and they forget that they may have been meditating and doing all these other things for 40 years before that moment and and they just think everybody else can have that moment and maybe some people can but you know traditionally i mean the experience of thousands of years is that people you know, need to work this and and gradually uh, make themselves uh, available for that realization. Mm. There's a, a Zen teacher who once said that enlightenment is an accident, but meditation makes you accident prone. There you go, an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm gonna guess there are people listening in that disagree with us. I think no, it is all it's all there. And I'd love to hear from these folks. Sure. Please uh, go to spiritmatterstalk.com and, and uh, get our email. And, and so we'll be, I'm fascinated. I want to learn. I want to get different perspectives from people, which is why we do the show. And, yep. uh, but my own feeling on it is I think that more and more 
fads come and go and yeah it, it's it's um it's a procedure it's different for every person but there's a value to teachers there's a value to scriptures there's a value to uh technologies to refine the system and it's different for different people and right. different at different points in time and uh we'll we're, we've heard from many of these people we'll be hearing from many more uh but yeah, i think and that, elias yeah elias amadon who we just um interviewed um seems to have a very sensible and mature right. approach to it, as most Sufis I've come across do. Now, now is, he more, I mean, is he more um, reformed? Is he more progressive than most Sufis? You know, I don't know. Yeah, you, I'm sure, you know, look, he's, he's American, and he's uh, exposed to all these other teachings, and the tradition mm. he, he's part of, the lineage he's part of, was, as he said, always seems to have been uh, very open and... and uh, aware of the similarities and uh, confluences of all the the spiritual traditions i think part of that is cultural you know he's american the the a person who founded his lineage uh was from india you know was one of the sufis from india so he was part of a a pluralistic um diverse uh, spiritual landscape that India, you know, always always represented, mm-hmm. and you know, Sufism must have come to India through, you know, the the uh, the Muslim migration mm-hmm. or and invasions and so forth. But there was always a lot of interaction in India uh, after that between mm-hmm. the yogis and the Sufis, and and a lot of uh, overlap and mutual. And nourishment, whereas maybe in the Middle East, where uh, Sufism uh, these days is a, 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 a often a an oppressed minority, uh, you know the Sufism that came from Iran and Turkey and other parts mm-hmm. of the Middle East, maybe they they've evolved in a different way because the cultures are not as as um, uh, diverse. Interesting subject matter for. A- Another book by uh, author Phil Goldberg, uh, who I, I should mention, if I could mention to our listeners, is working on a, uh, a biography right now as we speak uh, on uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, which I'm looking forward to. A great movie came out recently. Yeah, me Awake, too. And we've all, many of us have read an autobiography of the yogi, so we're looking forward to your, bo- uh, your book, Phil. Uh, Thanks, Dennis. All right. Thank until next time. The... All right. Over and out.